What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It's David and Isaac. We are here for a late post game. It's still a post game. We're talking about the Memphis Grizzlies beating the Los Angeles Lakers 127 to 119. That, Isaac, did I even say this is a sports ethos Grizzlies podcast? Dude, I'm, I'm my short term memory is killing me right now. I have no man, idea. I, I, I'm not even sure, but it is a sports <laughs> ethos Grizzlies podcast. But, uh, man, just Grizzlies continue to roll, beat the Lakers for the third time, man. And it's it, it's re- incredible what this team is doing. I mean, uh, right right now, man, the, the role they're on is nine in a row, franchise record. And again, man, and, and you know that there's even another level this team can get to because they haven't been healthy. A few games all season where they've had their full complement of players and they're still able to go out there and win games. And if this team could get, get all their pieces back and be healthy down the stretch, I mean, I think we, we're in for, for a special ride. I mean, this team one game out of third right now and just playing tremendous basketball, man. And another big victory last night, uh, sweep L.A., did the L.A. two-step. And out there at FedEx Forum West, I'm calling it, call it Crypto.com <laughs> Arena or whatever. It, it's FedEx Forum West at this point, man. That's all I got to say about that. Yeah, it's what they are. What three and one out there yeah. against them this year? Like they beat the the Lakers and beat the Clippers twice. Yeah, yep. So they lost the the one game and it was a close game. They, they yeah, it was over the overtime. Yeah, yeah. It was overtime. So man. they have a chance to be like in the season seven and one against the LA teams. They're six and one right now. So that's doing pretty good, man. It just. Incredible showing. If you just look at this box score, it doesn't tell you the story of this game. The Grizzlies dominated this game, but they went to garbage time a little <laughs> bit early. Yeah. And the results man. man yeah. Like Austin Reeves went nuclear in the fourth, and he almost single-handedly brought the Lakers back. And he actually got them within single digits. And it's uh yeah, got down to six. Impressive run by him for sure, but you know the Jaron Jackson comes back in and 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 you know Jaron yeah. check back in. Jaw draws a foul and then Jaron gets a big block. Get a big and, block. He's like, no, nah, it's time to time yeah. to end that, man. We ain't playing playing no more. Jaron, Jared with the big block just kind of palmed it like it was like nuts. But yeah, man, it got a little dicey there, man. They had to put the guys back in and uh and I think the Grizzlies. One thing that I, that I noticed is the Grizzlies. I don't think they weren't drawing any fouls uh in that fourth quarter. Jaw immediately comes in and draws a foul. That's that's the superstar. That's the kind of things that this team hasn't usually got usually gotten. So uh it, it, I mean it, it's fantastic. And number one on Sports Center, uh John Moran, I, I kind of put on Twitter, I was like, that the play that I'm about to talk about should be number one on Sports Center. It probably won't with Plague Thompson coming back and a lot of other things going on that night, NFL, all kind of stuff going on. But man, Avery Bradley got the strip uh, of Ja on one end. And he goes down, thinks casually, thinks he's gonna get a layup. And John Morant, man, off the vertical, like two hand, man, just pins it to the back backboard, man. Head above the hands above the square. And, and this guy is six two, six three. Like it's insane, man. The, the hops that he has, and like he in real is, time, in real I, time, and like I had to watch it again. You had to watch the replay to like fully appreciate it. It was it's dude, nuts, man. That that is that's ridiculous hops. stuff. Like he, I watched that replay so many times. He hits his armpit, his armpit on the backboard whenever, like, he blocks that shot and he's coming down. He hits his armpit on the backboard. I think he caught his head a little bit too. Just insane. Like, like that is, uh, Nicholas Batum tweeted out, 
He said, is this, he's like, I'm not saying this is the best block ever, but is this the most athletic block of all time? And it's definitely got to be in the conversation. He, he was so high. He had one in the FedEx forum against the Cavaliers early in the yeah. season. First game of the season, but, yeah. But I think that he was, man, I would say six to eight inches higher this time. Yeah, oh, no and doubt. That, the one against the Cavaliers was stupid impressive. This one just, dude, I, I, I don't think you can really, you can, we can talk about it and we can gas this thing up, but we can't give it enough credit. It was a, a fantastic play by Ja. And it's a regular season game, so you know it's not going to go down as greatest block of all time. But dude, it's one that you're going to see on highlight reels for a long time. That's for sure. And what makes it even more impressive, it wasn't like he was in full sprint; like he kind of jogged down or like came behind the play. And when he saw it happening, he just kind of took off. It's not like he came full speed down the court and just jumped up and blocked it. He just, it was pretty much out of the vertical. Like it wasn't like he he, he just leaped out full speed. I mean that's. That's ridiculous, man. For for a guy his height, for anybody to do that, it, it, it's ridiculous, man. For for a guy that's six two to be able to to get up above the, the square like that is is nuts. And again, like David said, you can't fully appreciate it in words. You just have to watch it, man. You, I saw so many replays of different angles of it, and it's it's nuts, man. And and that's the thing about John. Like night in and night out, almost every game he's going to do at least one thing that's going to have your your jaw drop. Like it's every night he's going to do something special. And that's why this Memphis Grizzlies team is must must see TV, must be in the arena, must must watch John Morant, man, because he's that type of player. He's always gonna a uh, uh, threat to do something that that's you've never seen before, and that's was another example of that last night, man. And, and again, I was glad to see him get the accolades on on Sports I, I I got a feeling I thought they were gonna shaft him, especially with them playing the Lakers. Even when the when the Grizzlies beat the Lakers, you'll hear about what's wrong with LeBron and the Lakers versus. Not them getting beat by the fourth seed in the West. It's not it's like it didn't have anything to do with the Grizzlies. Yeah, doesn't have anything to do with the Grizzlies. They got their ass beat by a better team. That that's what that's happened. It. And that's that stuff drives me crazy, man. I, I hate that so much. Yeah, do you see but, the the SB Nation Lakers? Uh, they were talking about they lost to their feeder team. It's embarrassing. And that's that's the second time they said that. They said this last time they lost uh, to yeah. the Grizzlies. It's embarrassing. How is it embarrassing? And you're barely five hundred, like. Hanging in the play, and this is the yeah. fourth season of West. One, one game out of games, third, fourteen yeah. games over five hundred, and yeah, they, that, that's it's just busted. It's a busted narrative, but it, it is what it's. It's Memphis, right? Like th- that's exactly what it is. Nobody pays attention. Smallest market in the NBA. It's Memphis getting no respect. They will. They're gonna learn. Oh, they're, they're definitely gonna learn. Team, I tell you, my th- that block is incredible. But my 100%, without a doubt, favorite part of the night was Desmond Bain. He, he, he goes to the basket, and he finishes. He comes around, and he's shoulder-to-shoulder with LeBron, and LeBron shoves yeah. him, which should have been a technical foul. Anybody else in the NBA, that's a technical. 100%. No doubt about it. But Desmond Bain just walks around LeBron, and he's mouthing him the whole time, giving – no like he does not care no fear at all and i'm like man i love this dude i love him and i think you and i you tweeted out later i think probably maybe after that play a little bit later i don't remember when it was but i think that we both kind of shifted into the team no trade 
Yeah. And it, it's because the growth that we're seeing from these guys, Zaire Williams, you know, every time that kid's on the floor, he's getting more comfortable. Things are looking better. You know, he's getting to the basket. He's finishing through contact. He did have one shot blocked, and, and DeAndre Jordan bumped into him. Looked like he's going to snap him in half. But, but you know, like, there's so much growth from this team. And then you got guys, you know, a second-year player going at a guy that a lot of people have in their GOAT conversation. And Desmond Bain's like, I don't care what the name is on the back of that jersey, bro. It, like, come get some. I'm here for it, and I'm not going to back down from you. And, and that's Memphis as hell. Like, he, him and John Morant, their, their swag, the way that they play – um, Ja ha- had that. Uh, he he was talking with the fan, and I'm not gonna yeah. say what Ja ended up calling the guy, but a, the dude was mouthing Ja on the sideline, yeah. and then Ja made a play and let the guy hear about it. But it, it's like they are tailor made for this city, and I, I love it more and more every time I watch this team play. Yeah, and think about Bay like he wasn't really that guy last year. Like you didn't see some of the stuff that you see from him, but he has a swagger this year, man. He's really come out of his shell, man. He's like all the way out. And like you said, man, I, I just love the the swagger, the confidence uh, that this team has. And not only do they have confidence, they go out and back it up. And that's the the big part about it, man. When when you back it up, man, man, talk your ish. Man. That's like the way, way I see it. I don't have any problem with that at all, especially with the way they get disrespected. I still don't think people have the proper respect for them. They act like just because we're, it's Memphis as a small market, they're not supposed to be doing what they're doing. And the Laker fans are surprised, even though the Grizzlies are three and one against them. Like, how are you surprised that this team is beating you, man? They've been kicking your ass all year. Like, it should have mm-hmm. been four and zero. They lost their first one in overtime. Could have been four and zero easily. Uh, so, I mean, that that stuff really doesn't make any sense to me. But yeah, man, Bain uh, had some words for LeBron. Just didn't care at all. And then after that, he wanted the basketball. And scored like five or six more points in succession after that, man. Came down, went straight to the hole, got a layup. I, I just love that because young, a lot of young guys, they, they look at LeBron James and be intimidated, and, and he wasn't at all. Um, and, and that's another 20-plus point game for him, 23 points last night. And, man, he keeps this up, man. He's going to be averaging 20 points a game, man. And I don't I don't think any of us saw that coming. And I was – we were both one of the, some of the highest guys on Bane and none of us, I think, thought he was going to turn to the player that he, he seen, we've seen from him this year, man. It's just been fantastic to watch. Yeah, and and I don't know that we've seen the best of him yet. Yeah, and that's, really, that's the thing, yeah. It, it's the growth. How much of this do you think is absorbed from being around and playing and the relationship that him and Ja Morant have built? You know, because Ja, he, he's, he's played with that confidence – since year one and we didn't really see this level of confidence from Bain in year one, but they talked about, you know, you hear about welcome to the dark. Uh, You're not seeing everything that we're doing in the dark. So these guys have spent time together during the off season and they're working. Both of these guys are spending time in the gym, working on their game. Do you think that any of this confidence that we're seeing coming out of Desmond Bain right now is because he spent so much time working with Ja? I, I, I definitely think so. I, I think the guys on this team feed off of off of Ja's confidence. And I also think that the summer that he had at the summer league and the way the coaches empowered him to kind of be the, 
leader of that team. I also think moving JV uh, has a lot to do with the internal growth that we've seen from guys on this team. I had somebody tell me the other day uh, about, well, if the Grizzlies hadn't traded JV, they'd probably be uh, a, a top two seed right now. And I was like, no, that they would not be a top two seed because the internal improvement that you've seen from guys like Baines specifically, you wouldn't be getting that right now if JV was still on this team because JV takes up a lot of shots and we'd probably kind of be seeing the same Bane that we saw last year, a guy that's not take, putting up the requisite shots that you'd like to see him, the way he's shooting the basketball. You want him shooting 10 threes a game, but he's probably still shooting two or three. And that's what we saw last year. And a lot of that has to do with JV. But again, a lot of it has to do with confidence as well, man, because you can just see, like he, even like I was like, John's the best player on the team. There, there's no doubt about that. But Desmond feels like he's the best player on the floor as well. Like you can see it in, in, in his game and in, in his confidence and the way he shoots the basketball. I mean, he's putting that thing up. Every time he gets the opportunity to now, man, he feels the contact, let the guys fly by. He's putting it up. And that's what we wanted from him last year. And good good to see that this year. But, again, I do think a lot of that has to do with Ja and, and how confident he plays the game with and that swagger. And it, and it rubs off on other guys. And you've kind of seen it across the board from all these guys on the team, even lower guys on the team, Tilly, uh, coming in. You can see the confidence that he has. Zaire is a lot more confident than he was. And this, this entire team kind of has this, this mentality that, they don't fear anybody. I mean, I, I feel like they genuinely feel like they, even though it might, it might not be true, but I think they feel like on any given day, they can go out and beat anybody. They, they, they could win a championship this year. I think in their minds, they feel like that's possible, and that's half the battle. Yeah, yeah, it, it 100% is. And I don't, I, I've got a little crow here because in the beginning of the season, there were times this season where I said if the Grizzlies still had JV on the roster, that their record would be better. And we've passed that point. This team has evolved this year. Those first 20 games, when Adams was struggling and things weren't clicking and, and it was looking rough, in those first 20 games, I think the Grizzlies would have had a better record yeah, with JV. I agree. But since then, since they've hit this this next gear and you know they had the seven-game win streak, like the 10-2 and two stretch without Ja, they're on this nine-game win streak now, I – that is no longer the case that, and, and it happens, you know, you can have a take one day that you feel strongly about and you're confident about and things occur and it changes that. And that, that's okay. I'm when I'm wrong, I'll own it. I, and I'm completely wrong or I'm maybe not at the time, but if I were to have that same stance right now, that would be incorrect. Um, I want to jump into the stats a little bit. John Morant didn't have a, a, a massive scoring game. He's had two 40-point games against the Lakers this year. And so, you know, we, we had high hopes, or at least I had high hopes, that we would see another another explosion from him. Yeah, he was averaging, but, averaging 40 and a half coming in again in the two games he played against the Lakers. Yeah, so he, he just – but still a, a good game. 16 points, seven assists, four rebounds. Uh, he missed – he did miss four th free throws, and I'm, I'm not a huge fan of that. I hate that, and I know that Ja hates that as well. But he's definitely worked on that free throw stroke and, and you know, getting to the line 12 times. For, you add four more points to that, and, and, and you're at another 20-piece. And so he, he had the opportunity to get there and just didn't. But other guys stepped up. Kyle Anderson got the start because of injuries, and, you know, he puts up 14 points, eight assists, wow, seven super, rebounds. Super, super Kyle game. Like yeah, seven I mean, rebounds, eight assists, was, two steals, two blocks. I mean, just filling up that stat sheet as Ben mm -hmm. Slomo right there. Yeah, that, that's that's the Kyle that we want to see, man. Just the stinking hitch, man. The the hitch and the jump is back. And I, I 
I guess kind of old habits die hard. And, and that, that's where we're at because last year when he was knocking down all these threes and he hits a career high from, from the three, shoots a career high and knocks down, he made more threes last year than he had in his entire career in total. And it was because the shot was better. It was smoother. There was no hitch. It's back now. But even with that hitch, still effective from the floor, six of 11. He didn't make any threes, but you know we, we, we just read off the, the points steals blocks doing everything that you expect Kyle Anderson to do so comes in he's he's impactful he does the things you need him to do I still want to see Brandon Clark I knew that it was going to be Kyle last night I, I knew that whenever we found out that he was healthy and he's starting I'm like yep Brandon's coming off of the bench and there's arguments to be made about the energy that Brandon you know we, we had a great conversation on Twitter uh, you know Isaac and I were kind of going back and forth with someone and, and that's there's two sides to every argument. You, you can have plenty of evidence to back up. Yeah, this with Brandon Clark is working, coming off the bench. It's it's great. He's bringing the spark. He's bringing the energy. You're allowing him to come in and do what he does because of the personnel that you have on the floor. And then, you know, my side of the argument, as long as Jaron Jackson and Brandon Clark are on the floor and the numbers are the way that they are, I'm going to be on here lobbying for Brandon Clark to start because you're talking about one of the best lineups that this team has on the floor is with Jaron at the five, Brandon at the four. Best, you know, like uh, net rating wise, the offensive numbers are better. The defensive numbers are better. There's the, the only thing that they lack in is rebounding the ball on the defensive end, which is extremely important. You have to end possessions you have to end them and if you're not rebounding the ball on the defensive end they're going to get second chances and so that that is kind of a little worrisome but it hasn't affected the end result even with them being in the lower echelon of the league on defensive rebounding when it's those two guys on the floor their defensive rating is still among the best in the league and so I, I'm going to continue to say I want Brandon Clark to be starting along alongside Jaron Jackson yeah, when, when you look at the numbers, I mean, to me, and I, I agree with you 100%, both me and you were in agreement, and I think it was the Finn is the guy that uh, was on Twitter that we were talking with, um, and, and and he thinks you continue to bring Brandon Clark off the bench. He's an energy guy, and I get that. I mean, that that's definitely a train of thought, and that could be why this coaching staff had decided to, to continue to bring him off the bench because they like what he brings off the bench. But I, I was thinking about this earlier today, and – like you said, the metrics, the numbers are fantastic with, with Jared Jackson Jr. and, and B.C. At, at the 4-5. and five. But you saw B.C. didn't start last night, and you look at the numbers that Jared has, I'm starting to think that maybe it's just Jared at the 5. When he that he that when he's at the 5, he puts up better numbers. I mean, I, I think the numbers are, like, off the charts when he's at the 5. This year. I think he's averaged, like, five blocks a game when he's at the 5. I mean, and he started to get, along with Kyle and Zaire, uh, last night, and, and maybe when at, that, and that's the thing. I think that's the conversation that we need to have. You know, Stephen Adams is in health and safety protocols right now, and you you look at these numbers, and, and Jared has just been nuts in these last couple games when Stephen Adams has been out. I mean, twenty one points, twelve rebounds, twelve rebound game from Jared. You always talk about him six not being able to rebound the basketball. Six blocks, man, assist and a steal, seven to fourteen from the field, man, super efficient, six or seven from the free throw line. In his walk off interview. Last night, he was like, man, I got to hold it down for 
for, for JV. I got a lot of respect. I mean, the JV for Steven Adams. I got a lot of respect for him now, man. I got to play the center position. I got to hold it down. I got to rebound the basketball more. And at the center, man, he has 12 rebounds and five blocks. I mean, you can't really argue six, against those numbers. Six so blocks. Six blocks. Six blocks. Sure it, was five the, it was five in the Clippers game. Yeah. Six blocks. So, uh, I mean, maybe it's just him being at the five. Uh, and, and maybe and him and BC do play fantastic guys. Like I said, BC is super dangerous in the pick and roll when, when he's playing with, with Jaron. They they make each other better. Uh, they they play really well against each other. But I'm thinking maybe it's just Jaron at the five. And when Steven Adams comes back, do you just automatically throw him back in that starting lineup, or, or do you continue this? Because I mean, the numbers clearly say that it's it, it's a, a really good thing when Jaron's at the five, and even better probably when you have BC at the four. What, what are your thoughts on that? Do you just insert Steven Adams back in the starting lineup, or do you keep going what we're seeing right now? Do I just, I do not. I don't, I'm, I'm on the Steven Adams is not a long-term piece for this team. I, I think that most everybody can agree with that. I'm super happy with what he's done for this team. His passing has been phenomenal. There are a lot of great things that he brings to the table, this front office has been, since Zach Kleiman took over, it's been about development. Through us yelling, screaming, cussing, throwing <laughs> rocks, like this team is better than development. What are they doing? They're sticking to their guns. This is development. So if that's what you're committing to, commit to it. Like th this committing to development while still trying to win, you're going to win. You've got an up-and-coming superstar in John Morant, and you're, you're going to win games. If you have him on the floor, you're going to win games. See what you have. Start Brandon next to Jaron and find out. You know, if you're starting, let's say Finn is right. Let's say that, that you know, you, you move Brandon into the starting lineup, and now they're not going against the second string. And so you start to see those numbers fall off and it's not effective. Well, then, you know, okay, Lou Williams is a career bench guy because Lou Williams can come in and torch the second team. When you put him in the starting lineup, he's not as effective. And so there's players that that's what their role is because that's where they fit. If that's what Brandon Clark ends up being for this team long-term, so be it. But we have not got to see Brandon Clark and Jaron Jackson Jr. I don't know if they've ever started a game together. I may be completely wrong on that. I've got to do some research. So I'm not going to say that with 100% confidence, but we don't know what they can be starting together. So let's see it. Put him out there. And that's what is Kyle? Kyle can his playmaking abilities are better than Brandon. He gives you another ball handler. But if you're starting – this same starting five as last night, and you replace Kyle Anderson with Brandon Clark, you've got shooters on the floor. So adding Brandon Clark over Kyle Anderson, you lose a little bit of playmaking, but you gain that playmaking for the bench. I, I, I would love to see them moving forward, keep Jaron at the five, and start, even if they don't start Brandon Clark, start somebody else at the four. Yeah, I, I'm 100% there. Like, I've seen what he's done since Stephen Adams out and I'm ready to make this move. I was already kind of on that train even before then. But going back to, to what you were saying about, about this front office and, and development, Jerry, Jerry Jackson Jr. is a cornerstone piece for this franchise. And you want to maximize what he can do. And when you look at those numbers, 
he maxes out when he's playing alongside Brandon Clark. And you know Steven Adams, or we don't think he's going to be a long-term piece for this team. Why would you, in, in the terms of development, why would you play Steven Adams in, in, over him when you have opportunity to play Jared with the guy that he plays best next to? Because you you want you want to maximize him and whatever Jaron Jackson's going to be, that's big for your franchise going forward. So you need to be trying to do that now. It doesn't make any sense to just kind of have Steven Adams here as a placeholder for for you for this year and maybe next year. See what happens there when you could be developing him and BC together. Because BC even BC himself is another guy that you're still trying to evaluate and see if he's going to be a, a long term piece for this team as a, as a ro- as a rotation guy. So to me, man, it just makes perfect sense, man. We, they have guys that look at these numbers. So they've looked at these numbers, and for some reason they decided that that's still not the route they want to go. But for many reasons, it, it makes sense, man, to start Jaron at the five and Brandon at the four, especially when you're you're not going to get the 76ers or the different Nuggets. Outside of that, man, I, I think Jaron can handle his own. I mean, you saw what he did against Zubak. Zubak is a, is a big guy. Like, he, of course, he's not one of the best sitters in the league or anything, but he's big, and Jaron had a fantastic game against him. So, I think he can handle it. I mean, he kind of said said last night that he felt he, he feels the need when when, I, when he's playing the center to do some different things. And you saw how he crashed the glass with twelve rebounds, man, and five blocks. I, I think he can handle it most nights. Yeah, you, you keep shorting him on those blocks, man. We're about to fight. Did right, that, 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 I say five again? You did. You did. You, it's good, but you know the the energy thing coming off of the bench that that matters. And the Los Angeles Lakers are the perfect example of that. I I am not on the same level of like I don't have the love affair for this guy that NBA Twitter does, but look how much difference this bench unit is. Like they they lost Caruso, right? He was their energy guy off of the bench, and now they don't have that, and they're struggling. But the Grizzlies yeah, they, they have, really miss him. Like the Grizzlies have guys outside of D'Anthony Melton is an energy guy off of the bench. John Conchar, Conchar. Even though, yeah. you know, like th- there's times that we have argued that we don't want to see Conchar in the rotation. I think those days are behind us. I still, when this team is healthy, I don't think that he's one of the 10 best players on this team, but I appreciate what he does and what he can bring to the table. And, you know, honestly, the more that he's playing, you could almost make an argument that he is one of the 10 best players on this team, but we'll get to that another time. But but you have guys outside of Brandon Clark that you can bring off of this bench as energy guys. And, and again, if it doesn't work, moving back to the bench, I, I don't know. Like if you start him and you know, the numbers are telling you it's not as effective as what it was with him coming off of the bench then do you have to worry about that messing with him mentally? You know, the game is, is almost as much mental as it is physical. If you start him and then we're like, hey, it's not working out the way we want it to work out, we're going to move you back into the same role you had coming off of the bench. What does that do to his psyche? We don't know. That That's an unknown, and, and that could well, be why they are considering – or, you know, why there's no consideration to doing anything other than bringing him off of the bench. Well, with, with BC, I, I don't I don't think it would be big uh, that much of a problem because he's been all over the place the, the, during the time he's been here. I mean, he's been getting the NPCDs. There's been times where he started because of, of injuries. He's come off the bench. He's done it all. So he's kind of used to his role changing. Uh, it's, not, it's not like he's a guy that's been a starter for a long time and then he comes off the bench, blah, blah, blah. He's pretty much done it all. So I think 
I think he would be fine with that. Because if it, if it doesn't work, I think he can go back to bench. And as long as he's getting minutes, I, I think he can still produce at, the, at, the, at a high level. Because the kind of game that he has is not like he's a guy that's going to take a lot of shots, come in and have to get warmed up, and it's changing. I mean, he's an energy guy. He's going to do a lot of stuff around the rim. I, I think he'll be fine. If it doesn't work, man, just go back to the way it is now. But I, I think they need to give it a try. Because, again, I think he maximizes what Jaron brings, and I think that's what this franchise should be wanting to do. And when it comes to, to Ja, uh, Bain, Jaron, and, and Dylan, I think you want those guys to be put in the best position to where they can play their best basketball because those are kind of the guys you're looking at, okay, these are going to be our core guys. So it, it just doesn't make any sense to limit Jaron when you're trying to maximize his abilities and you have an opportunity. Numbers right in front of you show you when, when, when he maxes out and you're just doing something different. I don't, I'm, I'm just not a fan of that. Yeah. Yep, it's this team has not done anything to give me reason to doubt them. And yeah, they're winning so, games. You know, like they're, they're, they're doing we're good. It's just yeah, you know, it's it just you, you look at the numbers and there's reasonings. There, there's good reason to you know try things like that. So it, it is what it is, man. That's we got news uh, yesterday before this game. Uh, Dylan went out in the Clippers game with yeah, ankle man. injury. Looks like he's going to be out um, a minimum of three weeks, from my understanding. Um, we we didn't get a, you know, we, we asked Coach Jones and the presser about it. Coach Jones is giving us coach talk. Coach speak, you, you know, yeah. know, know that he. Uh, he that's I what you're going to get with injuries in the Grizzlies for like, sure. That's uh, <laughs> he's going to be out for a while. He's an important part of this team. You know, we we want to make sure that he comes back healthy. So. You know, it, with, with the ankle injury, multiple weeks, so minimum of three weeks. But I, I think Woj tweeted and said like three to six weeks. Yeah, I, I'm thinking so, All Star break. That that's yeah. my prediction. Yep. I, I would be surprised to see him before the All Star break. I think after the All Star break, that that would be like I think six weeks. I want to say right in in that range. I think that's kind of the, the target date for him. If he comes back before then, I, I'd be shocked and pleasantly surprised. But that's kind of if you're gonna put a timeline on it and, and and think, okay, when could we realistically have him back? That's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah, yep. And, and I think um that was mentioned maybe coming back after the All Star break. So we'll we'll see where that goes. But I we're gonna learn a lot. I'm ready to see what happens with this team with him being out for an extended period because this defense struggled early in the season stopping dribble penetration and so here we are again we're going to be back without dylan our best on ball defender the the grizzlies best on ball defender are they going to be able to control that dribble penetration or do we see them revert and go back to having the issues i i think that they've grown enough as a team and they've made changes that we're probably not going to see it revert back to what it was before this injury, but it's going to tell you a lot whether this team can withstand with Dylan Brooks being out. Cause I, I have been on the side that if you lose DB, this defense is going to suffer because of the energy and the, you know, the just overall toughness that he brings to the floor on a night to night basis. I, I think one thing that's changed that is, the offensive lead that Bain is taking. I think Bain scoring 20-plus points kind of makes up for 
some of uh, some of that the, what you would lose from him defensively, and I think that's and that's another reason why I, of course, I, you don't want to see anybody go down, but one of the reasons why I kind of hate that is for evaluation purposes. I wanted to see where DB now fits in, in this pecking order because Bain has kind of I think overstepped him, and with him playing, will Bain continue to put up the kind of numbers he put puts up, and where does Dylan get his shots? Does he still take the same amount of shots? I think that evaluation time was pertinent because maybe you decide, well, we're only going to keep one of these guys. Maybe DB might not be in your long-term plans anymore. However you decide that, but now I think that takes some time away from that. Cause I was really interested to see how he kind of integrated back in this with what they had been doing. And now got to wait a while to get that opportunity. Uh, I think it'll probably be mid February, late February before we get him back. But that's kind of what I hate about this. Cause I, that was something that I was really interested to see when he came back was how with how well Bain had been playing. How is he going to fit in there, especially with job being back too? Yeah, it's th- that's still going to be a question that they're going to have to answer. Uh, you know, there were times we, we had very short stretches when they were semi-healthy, and we got a little bit of a glimpse of it. Um, but the, the team was also, like, when that was going down, they were still figuring things out. Yeah. And – you know, and Bain had Bain had been playing well, but he, he wasn't at the level that he's been late. Like he was playing better than he was last year. We had to could see the growth and improvement, but he's going even another step right now. And and then, uh, like I said, we haven't seen a lot of that because Ja was out part of that time when uh, Bain and and, and Deep Bain and uh, Brooks were both playing. So it, it's a different dynamic now. Uh, you got Jaron uh, back as well, and we just don't have a lot of sample size with all four of those guys. And again, man, Bain has took such a step, which I think he, in my mind, he's past Dylan. Where does Dylan get his shots? Because I mean, we saw those games where Dylan's taking twenty plus shots, and that just can't be the case anymore. It shouldn't. We we were thinking that it wouldn't shouldn't have been the case then, and now with Bain been doing what he's doing, it definitely should be the case. And, and that's going to be interesting to see because he, he's a guy that likes to likes to get his shots up. So how are they going to kind of kind of play that when when they have all four guys healthy? Yep going to be might be something that's tough to juggle we'll, we'll see how that goes hopefully sooner rather than later we, we know it's going to be a little while before he gets back so hopefully after the all-star break everybody else stays healthy and we get a look at that as they continue to make a run to the playoffs man do you want to jump into the the team stats here as we we continue on yeah i got that here uh field goal grizzlies go 47 of 87 for 54 percent man really really good Good for the floor for the Grizzlies um, last night. LA Lakers 45 of 97 for 46.4%. Uh, three-pointers, Grizzlies 11 of 30 for 36.7%. Lakers 14 of 33 for 42.4%. Lakers plus three in attempts and plus three in mates uh, from the free throw line. Another time, the second game in a row with the Grizzlies, I think all, all four games, really, I think the Grizzlies have big numbers, discrepancy in the free throw. Uh, Grizzlies 22 of 32 for 68.8%. Uh, Lakers 15 of 19. 78.9 so Grizz plus 13 um, in attempts and plus 7 in makes so look at that three pointers and free throws the Lakers are uh, net plus 2 points uh, rebounds Grizzlies 48 Lakers 41 11 offensive rebounds 14 offensive rebounds but the Grizzlies rarity that the Grizzlies lose the offensive rebound in battle but the Lakers do get 3 more but the Grizzlies win overall battle 48 to 41 33 assists for the Grizzlies 26 for the Lakers 10 steals 10 to, 10 to 6 and steals Grizzlies uh, 10 blocks for the Grizzlies, 7 for the Lakers, 14 turnovers to 12, uh, Grizzlies with 14, Lakers with 12. Grizzlies 25 fast break points to 10 for the Lakers, and Grizzlies with 62 points in the paint to 56 for the Lakers. And 
uh, again, man, just when you when you talk about this Lakers team, man, I I I don't know what I don't I don't know what's gonna happen, man. You see all these rumors about the trade deadline. They're gonna try to go out and get Jeremy Grant. They're gonna try to go out and get Jalen Brown. And I'm like, looking at these people, you see these articles. I'm like, how? Like, show me, pull up their 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 cap sheet, their contracts, and show me how they're going out and getting anybody. Like the only only person, unless they can find somebody to take Westbrook, which I don't know who's going to take on their contract. They don't have anything to move. Unless you're going to move AD, which I don't I don't think they plan on doing that. So I I don't know what's wrong, what, what's going to happen with this team, but that team is not a contender. And, and Russell Westbrook has just been been awful, man. The efficiency, the turnovers, leading the leading the league in turnovers right now. And, and I knew when he when they made that move to get him, it was a mistake. Like I don't know why they would have made that move. They would have done better. You hear Buddy Hill's name come up a lot. They, they would have done better going out and getting some of the other names that you heard. But just seems like they like to go out and get names, man. But he just he's just not a good fit with that team. And he's lost a couple steps. He just, athleticism-wise, you just he just doesn't have it. Like, he used to be going back, pocketing back and punching on guys. And now you'll see where he goes up and realize that he can't get as high as he used to. And he'll try to finger roll. And he'll miss the layup. You've seen that a couple times. This year, he's just not the same guy, and with him and LeBron, it's just a, a bad fit. And just, I, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, man. But that team is not a contending team, and if they make it out of the play-in, I would be surprised if they won a first-round series. I, I think it's going to be one and done for them. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you, man. It's, I was talking with a buddy of mine earlier today, and they would have been much better off going after a guy like Kyle Lowry or DeMar DeRozan in a sign and trade. Um, it, it, the fit is just weird with Westbrook. We've watched him try to play with Paul George. That one worked a little better because George could play off the ball. Um, but, you know, with James Harden, both ball dominant guys, and it yeah. just didn't really work out all that well. And you know that LeBron and Westbrook are, are very similar in the fact that they both need the ball in their hand. And Westbrook, he's not a shooter, man. He he cannot – he's not a guy that plays the LeBron strengths. And I, and I feel like that front office done a terrible job constructing this roster, and it's showing. There's still a lot of time left in the season – LeBron James is still playing at an extremely high level. So th- there's a chance that, that they get in the playoffs and maybe make a little bit of noise, but you're going to need AD to come back and have that hunger again because he's looked soft. He's not yeah, been himself. He just doesn't look like the same guy. And Kendrick Nunn, I still say Kendrick Nunn is a huge part of this team that hasn't been there that maybe he can come and be the guy off of the bench that they're missing. So they're still not 100% healthy, but I'm I'm kind of on, on the same boat as you, and I don't know that they're definitely not a team that I'm afraid of, 100% not afraid of this team. And that's crazy to say five years ago, if LeBron James is on the team, you got to fear him. But it's just not the case anymore. I, I don't think that we're we're there right now. Yeah, and, and so much so much on LeBron, man. I think yeah, I looked up. He had played twenty minutes in the first half. I mean, it's just so much on him, man. And he's doing everything he can do. It's only so much that he can do uh, to 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 try to carry his team, and he just doesn't have the help. I think they asked Westbrook after the game last night, like, 
does he feel like he needs to step up with with and help LeBron with with Davis being out? And he just kind of mumbled something like, "Well, I mean, I guess everybody needs to step up or whatever." But he doesn't take he didn't take responsibility for kind of he needs to be that guy now with with AD down. He's that that number two guy, and he just hasn't been that man. And again, they're a tough situation. Like you said, I think none will help uh, when, when when he comes back, and Anthony Davis, of course. Um, will come back, but he just hasn't been the same guy. Even when Davis was playing, they were still struggling. It was like they were lighting the world on fire when Davis was there, and then he went down and they started losing games. Um, they, they actually had one of the three in a row, three or four in a row, but going into the Grizzlies game, and but they were going against bad teams. And as soon as they play a good team in the Grizzlies, you saw what happened last night. And as we said at the top of the show, this score is an indicative of what happened in this game. I mean, the Grizzlies were up by almost 30 points, I think 29 at one point. This was a, a, a blowout win. So don't look at that 127-119 score and think this was any kind of close game. Grizzlies dominated this game pretty much from outside from the mid-first quarter on. The Grizzlies kind of dominated this game outside the run, of course, that they made the end of the game when they put the bench in in garbage time, early garbage time. But, man, it, it's a, a, a tough situation. It's kind of weird to see a, a LeBron-led team struggling the way they have. I mean, because he's, he's out there fighting, man. Like I said, I don't. Love him as a player, some of the antics and stuff that he does on the court. He whines a lot, all that. But nobody's denying that how, how, how great of a player he is. He's one of the best players of, of all time, definitely of this generation. Uh, but, uh, but again, man, I, I just don't think that team, even when they get healthy, I, I just don't think they're a team that, that fear, that it, that's going to put any fear in anybody. Yeah, yep, for sure. When I, I think we've pretty well covered everything on this game. Do you, do you got anything else before we get out of here? Oh, man, just say big, big week coming up, man. Huge game tomorrow night, man. The Golden State Warriors. Grizzlies, I think, only, what, three and a half out of, out of first place in, in, in the West, and that would be best record in the league. Uh, so the Warriors are going to be here. Clay Thompson, of course, is back. So that's always a, a, a big game. I expect a big crowd at FedEx Forum. You got the Timberwolves on Thursday. You got a weird uh, 9 p.m. tip uh, on Friday night in the Central Time Zone. That's weird. But the game is going to be on ESPN. That's why it's at 9 o'clock the second back half of a double header uh, the Grizzlies taking on Luca and the Dallas Mavericks so that's a big game and then you can follow it up on the Martin Luther King day on Monday uh when the Grizzlies take on the Chicago Bulls who are currently number one in the east I don't think anybody thought when the schedule came out you'd be these two teams would be where they are so that's another huge game and another stage for for John and his Grizzlies team on TNT so some fun games coming up man it, it's gonna be really fun to, to watch this game and I'm super excited for tomorrow night yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that uh, MLK Day game. That the the Bulls. Yeah, that's gonna be fun, man. Yeah, and gonna be a good matchup. So we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Get out of here before we go. We got to tell you about our partners. We got a new one here at Sports Ethos Express VPN. Listen, I, I live in an area where the Grizzlies are blacked out, and I can't get that. I can't get the Valley Sports Channel. So. I have to have a VPN to watch the Grizzlies. It's it's perfect. I, I pay for the lead pass so I can watch the Grizzlies, but it's blacked out if I don't have this VPN. Express VPN, it controls a lot more than lead pass and all of that, but that that is the main reason that I use it, and I would not be able to watch the Grizzlies if not for the Express VPN. Your internet service provider can sell your browsing history and make money off of it. If you have a VPN, you can block them from doing that. It keeps them out of your business. And ExpressVPN is the best on the market. Go over there, sign up now. You can use our promo code ethos 
at ExpressVPN and you get three months for free. So you, you pay for a year, you get 15 months for the price of 12 over at ExpressVPN. Check it out. Even if you're not using it for League Pass, if you're using it for the privacy part of it, best on the market. I've been using it for well over a year now and it, it, it's been great. So shout out to them. Glad to have them on board. Let them know that we sent you over there and help us out. You can get me on Twitter at dwill2111. Isaac, wait a minute, man. I almost forgot. We talked about the giveaway. We're doing a Ja Morant jersey giveaway. The details will go out in a tweet this evening. Um, If you're listening to this, it may be out by the time you're listening to it, but we will get the tweet sent out as far as what we're doing with that Ja Morant jersey giveaway. So that, that will happen soon. Be on the lookout for that. You can get me on Twitter at dwell2111. The show is at Ethos Grizzlies. That's where the giveaway is going to be. I'll retweet it for my personal account as well. But Isaac, let them know where they can find you. Get us out of here, man. Yeah, man. You can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore Rivals. That's I-S-A-A-C underscore Rivals. Again, man, huge game tomorrow night. Grizzlies taking on Golden State Warriors. Uh, that's going to be a, a, a fun one again. Uh, the season series tied at 1-1. Grizzlies won. First matchup, uh, what from both the first two matchups were out, out in out in Oakland for San Francisco now, so they, they're one and one. So the Grizzlies got an opportunity to take a lead in that season series, man. Only three and a half games out of first place, man. That's that's crazy stuff, but that's going to be a fun one. Play is back, of course. Going to see a lot of uh, brand new, freshly uh, crisp Golden State Warriors jerseys and fans on tomorrow night, I'm sure. But I hopefully Grizzlies can. Send them home sad, uh, as they have a tendency to do when the Lakers fans have found that out a couple times this year. So hopefully we can do the same thing with those Warriors fans tomorrow night. But, uh, again, man, we'll be back later this week with another podcast. Make sure you be on the lookout for the giveaway. Man, you want to get that John Moran jersey and the hottest, hottest player in the NBA right now with my fingers, man. So make sure you be on the lookout for that. And until next time, we talk. presentation.